This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning from California, Heidi. Hi, Mom, from New York City. Good to have you on the air today. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. You know, uh, we're going to have a lot. you got a lot in common with our guest today. I don't know. Are you teaching a grief and loss class at Columbia right now? I usually do, but I'm not doing it this semester. No, I'm teaching a child psychology class this semester. Uh-huh. But I do talk about loss with kids a lot and how to work with kids around the losses in their lives. Well, why don't you introduce Jeffrey, and uh, let's get started. It's going to be a great show. Yes, you're right, Mom. We do have a lot in common because Jeffrey is also a New Yorker, and he lives in Albany. And after the death of his wife, Barbara, in 2004, Jeffrey began teaching courses, as my mom said, on love and loss at the University of Albany State University of New York. He realized the importance of death education, especially the healing power of writing, and his new book is Death Education in the Writing Classroom, and it is the first book to show how students can use the healing power of writing to cope with the deaths of loved ones, and he's going to talk more about that today. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your program. Well, it's a lot of fun having you on today, Jeffrey, and we met you at uh, Death Education, right? The uh Yes. I want to call it the old name, the Forum for Death Education. ADAC. That's how old I am. Yeah. Association of Death Educators. <laughs> Do you remember when it was the forum? <laughs> I used to actually oh. uh, teach at the University of Rochester and, and got involved with it at that time. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey, I want to talk first a little bit with our folks. Now, I want to remind you that one of the things that I think is really interesting is in looking at your book, I know it's, it has sort of a student bent to it, but when I was looking at it and reading it, I thought, now this is really interesting because we've got a bereaved audience out there and you have got so many wonderful ideas about how people can write. They could use your book and they would have writing assignments for themselves. Jeez, I thought this could even be with the internet. People could even look at your writing assignments and blog yeah. you know, on, on their assignments, which is really kind of a neat idea because you've got some wonderful ideas here. But tell us first, you weren't teaching death education before your wife died? Well... Um, before before Barbara's death in 2004, the most devastating experience in my life was when my college English professor and closest friend, uh, Len Port, committed suicide uh, on Labor Day 1968. Um, Barbara and I were uh, in Ithaca. I was a graduate student at Cornell, and Lynn was uh, in New York City, and he called me to say that he was in the process of killing himself and wanted wow. to spend the last minutes of his life talking with me. Um, as you can wow. imagine, it was devastating. I started crying and screaming and asking him to get off the phone and call the police, and he wouldn't do that, and finally I did that. For so much of my life, um, so much of my teaching and so much of my writing and so much of my reading has been an effort to come to terms with Len's suicide. Um, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on suicide in Joseph Conrad's novels. Conrad himself had attempted suicide as a young man. And many of my early books focus either directly or indirectly on on suicide. 
I wrote a book in uh, 1994 called Diaries to an English Professor, which focuses on giving students an opportunity to write about their own grief. In 1999, I published a book called Surviving Literary Suicide that focuses on four writers who took their own lives, Virginia Woolf and Ernest Hemingway and um, Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton, and also a writer who did not uh, commit suicide but who wrote about his suicidal depression, uh, and that is, of course, William Styron. So for many of my books have, have focused really on death education, although I didn't call it death education at the time. When Barbara died um, on April 5th, 2004, I immediately started writing a book about our life after her diagnosis. Tell our audience what her diagnosis was and how, and you took care of her. And Barbara was on August 12th, 2002, which was one day after our uh, 34th wedding anniversary, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. Um, thanks to a clinical trial that was experimenting with a pancreatic cancer vaccine, um, she did better than was expected. She was she had been given 10 to 12 months, and uh, she lasted for 20 months. So we were grateful for uh, being in a clinical trial. Um, after her death, I wrote a book called Dying to Teach, uh, a memoir of love, uh, loss, and learning. Is is that her is that her picture on the front of that book or yes uh, what a lovely woman how beautiful I want to ask you did you uh, for our audience out there because they're hearing you say okay now when my wife uh, you know I took care of her while she was dying of pancreatic cancer yeah and did you uh, journal or or did you just write it after no I I didn't I didn't journal because I you know I was so consumed teaching my courses that I didn't have time to do anything other than teach my courses and and take care of Barbara. Um, but I spoke to my students about uh, Barbara's imminent death, and each time I would walk into class, uh, I would have somebody look after Barbara for the few hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays that I was at school, and I would give a very brief update to my students, uh, telling them Barbara's situation. And then I would race home and, and be with Barbara. And what classes were you teaching when you did that? I was teaching a writing class, which I had made into a personal writing class. And actually, my students' responses to my weekly updates, I include in my book with their permission. Um, and right. a, a few weeks before Barbara's death, I, I had written a eulogy for Barbara, I asked her if she wanted to read it, and she said no. It was too painful for her to read. But I read it to my students as a way of trying it out, and of course they were shocked. But they responded movingly and empathically, and they allowed me to use their anonymous responses in my memoir. So my, my book, Dying to Teach, is, is mainly about Barbara's dying and death and how our family responded, but it's also about how my my students responded. Wow, that's interesting. I want to ask Heidi because she teaches grief and loss. What's your thought about this, Heidi? I've got some about Jeffrey. Yeah, I am. I'm moving. I'm moving myself into the classroom as, as Jeffrey's talking because that is so powerful, Jeffrey. 
And it makes the information come alive because here you have this personal experience that, that you are disclosing to the students, which I absolutely love, that you are, you are, that you are courageous enough to put it out there with them. And then that they're incorporating that into their own experiences. They're learning about grief and loss. I mean, what an incredible class experience for you. Well, you know, all of the, all of the research on self-disclosure indicates that self-disclosure begets self-disclosure. I couldn't yeah. ask my students to write self-disclosingly if I myself refused to do that. Jeffrey, but that that is such a I different model, though. If you take the, the psychoanalytic model that we've had way, way back is that you don't disclose anything and that it's almost shameful in a way if you do because you're you're just using it as your own platform. And here, you know, Heidi and I obviously feel exactly like you do because we self-disclose all the time on the show, on our, you know, on, on our website and the Internet. It's hard not to nowadays. There are newer psychoanalytic paradigms relational and intersubjectivity, which, which emphasize the analyst's importance to the patient's ongoing story. So even psychoanalysis is slowly changing and becoming more relational and, and dialogic. I just wanted to say, Jeffrey and Mom, that, you know, when I started, I've been, I've, I worked with 9-11 families for 10 years. and had someone die in the, in the uh, trade center, firefighter families. And, you know, the very first thing I said to the adult families that I worked with, when I walked in there was, look, I have no idea what it's like to lose someone in 9-11, but I do know what it's like to wake up one day and find out that my brother has been suddenly killed in the prime of his life in an accident. So I, on that level, can understand what it's like to not have him anymore in my life. And do you know, every single person in our research study that I disclosed that to came up and thanked me. Two of the students in uh, my book, Death Education in the Writing Classroom, were both um, affected by 9-11. One student's father was um, working, uh, trying to douse the fires, and he developed lung disease. Uh, and yeah. another one of my students was with her younger sister in the subway, um, right in the World Trade Center when oh, uh, it was on fire. And so wow. she writes about being so horrified by what was happening that she literally froze on her feet, and it was her sister who was able to get her out of the subway station. So both of those students shared their experiences with their classmates, and both wow. of them, of course, allowed me to use their writings. I should say, and... And this is important for any teacher who wants to try to do what I'm doing. Um, first of all, all of the students' writings that appear in the book are, uh, have been um, given me by my students with their written permission. Uh, each of the students chooses a pseudonym. I show each of the students how I use their writings to make sure that they're not surprised by anything. And also, finally, uh, my university has to, um, there's a, an IRB uh, which has to uh, look at all human research and, and make sure that students are not at risk when they um, become part of a, a, a professor's book. So I'm really careful about that. For the uh, sake of time here, here I am, I'm out in the audience, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not a school teacher, but there's something here for me, and I know there is, and I can tell everybody there is something
thing in this book for you, and that is these kind of little teasers and these stories that will help you to be able to write about your story. I don't think you necessarily have to be in the classroom if you pick up this book. Right. Jeffrey, how do I get started? That's what I want to know. How do I get started? Well, you know, it doesn't matter if anybody is reading what you're writing or not. I would say write a paragraph, write a diary entry about how you feel, and you can show it to somebody else or not. Write it and experience the therapeutic benefits of writing, and then you can destroy what you wrote or you can save what you wrote. You can show it to other people. You cannot show it to other people. The important thing is that writing is very therapeutic. It's a, it's a wonderful form of therapy, and it doesn't really matter if you show your writing to another person or not. Your writing is a record of how you feel at a particular time. I love that. That is a, a great thought. And so I'd suggest that you pick up uh, this book of Jeffrey Berman's. It's wonderful, Death Education and Writing in the Classroom, because um, the, the assignments that he gives are pretty amazing. One of the assignments that I love was Assignment 8, which is on post-traumatic growth and uh, the fact that there is post-traumatic growth in these experiences and uh, Jeffrey, I think you are an exemplifier of that, the way that you have taken these losses and, and brought them out to the world to help them. It's really inspiring. Uh, thank you so much. And I, there's just one thing I want to add, and that is that I'm not morbidly uh, obsessed with the past. A year and a half ago, I married a lovely woman, uh, Julie, whom I've known for 20 years. And mm-hmm. so I feel amazingly lucky that Um, joy has re-entered my life and um, I just uh, every day is a gift so I'm just very fortunate and I say that to my students that um, life is filled with love and loss love inevitably ends in loss but after the loss there is often recovery and I'm a perfect example of recovery Uh, Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for being on the show and for that last thought. Now, people can get your book on Amazon, I assume, and and they can Google you. Uh, You've got a lot of things on the net, Jeffrey Berman. So uh, check in with him there. And as I said, uh, you want to get started on some ideas of writing. This is the book to get. So thanks again for being on the show today, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey. And I love what you just said because I think one of the gifts that your wife Barbara gave you is that she really taught you how to love on a very deep level. And I love that you've gone on in a new relationship as well. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey. Well, you've been listening to the Open to Hope show. And uh, Heidi, a great show today. And what an inspiration Jeffrey is, isn't he? Absolutely. I I really, really like what he does, incorporating writing, incorporating his own personal experience. It's wonderful. Well, thanks for listening and tune in again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.